2023 is almost done. Ending the year on a good note, but most importantly, starting the next one on a high note seems to be a good mantra, especially if you're in the business of concerts. It's a season of sound across the country. As the weather turns, big ticket concerts, music festivals start to pop up from the month of September onwards. From blues to rock to pop to indie and of course EDM, the Indian music scene is on a high around this time of the year. A recent report published by Book My Show mentions that total live event attendees were nearly 13.5 million in 2023, up by over 80% from last year. The report also mentions how premium event goers grew more than double this year compared to the last. The cities that contributed the most to the number were Delhi, NCR, Mumbai and Hyderabad. While the primary footfall came from metros, the growth however came from tier 2 cities where ticket sales grew by nearly 225% in 2023 over 2022. One would assume that all these events, the number of people attending these events, would translate into the music festival industry doing phenomenally well in terms of finances. But the reality is not quite so. As it turns out, big ticket concerts or music festivals are not an easy tune to sing but if the organizers are not making any money then who is how much money is this industry making anyway how much do the artists costs what are the margins like for each level in the value chain who are putting together these events in short what is the commerce of music concerts in order to understand the economics of running a music festival We decided to speak to those who have been running this industry for some time now. Our guests today are Jairam Viji, founder of Hyperlink Brand Solutions and someone who has been part of the live entertainment industry for nearly 3 decades. Karan Singh, CEO of the largest music festival of India, that is the Sanborn Festival, and our third guest today is Dhruv Patodia, founder of Sort My Scene, a Mumbai-based ticketing platform for music and other live events. It's December 29th, the last Friday of 2023, and I'm your host Shobhori Das and you are listening to the Morning Brief. Hello India, we are One Republic. This has been the most extraordinary experience of my entire life. We just arrived at the hotel here in Mumbai. The first global citizen festival outside Central Park in New York is being held in Amchi, Mumbai. Namaste, friend. Namaste, Mumbai. Watching your favorite musician perform live is one of the most amazing experiences that we can have as a music lover. Imagine Rahman playing the initial notes of Dil Se, or Deep Purple playing the opening note of Smoke on the Water, or Ed Sheeran singing Shape of You. That feeling when you're listening to your favorite musician live, surrounded by thousands of people connecting with the music just like you are, holding your phones to record the artist in a desperate attempt to capture the moment which you know can neither be explained or recorded and yet we try 
music festivals for music lovers are in short like experiencing magic. It's transcendental, almost. But like most good things in life, such experiences do not come cheap. An average small gig at your favorite bar may cost you anywhere between 499 to 1000 rupees for a one-day event. But the ticket prices keeps increasing manifold depending on the artist and the event itself. For example, Lollapalooza, a US-based 4-day music event, came to India in 2022. As of 2023, their ticket prices started at 7000 rupees and went all the way up to 45000 rupees. These are not small numbers. Add to the fact that these are quite literally only the ticket prices and one ends up buying alcohol, food and transportation to such events. These experiences cost quite a pretty penny. From the organizer's point of view though, the ticket prices are barely covering 50 to 60% of the cost of setting up this event. According to Research Reports World, the global music festival market in 2022 was sized at $2.5 billion. In comparison to that, industry sources believe that the Indian music festival market is about $120 million or about 1,000 crore rupees. But the question that needs answering is, are Indian event companies making any money from these events yet? I'm going to show you guys how to have the best music festival experience ever, ever. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the largest dance floor around the world. Music festival, the younger generation. Festival world, what an amazing time. And to have a good time. Festivals fuck your diet up. Every business runs with the same goal, which is to make money. But a quick question to anyone who's actually working in the music festival industry in India will tell you that the industry is yet to break even, let alone make money. Some of the largest festivals of India, namely Sunburn, NL7 Weekender, VH1 Supersonic, Hilltop Goa, Magnetic Fields, have all been around for over a decade and still may or may not be making any money. While most of these festivals draw footfalls in thousands, for example, the flagship event of Percept Limited, Sunburn, attracts nearly 50,000 people a day. The cost of the tickets, along with the sponsorships, are still not enough to cover the event costs entirely. Why is that? What are the costs of setting up an event of that size and magnitude? Where does India stand as of December 2023 in terms of music festivals? We decided to ask these questions directly to the man manning the desk behind the event. Welcome to the morning brief, Karan. Pleasure to be here. What is the global scenario like as of today post-pandemic and, uh, you know, where does India stand in terms of, you know, a choice of country for international artists or even otherwise? I think globally, the industry has made a pretty strong comeback after the pandemic. And that's something that you kind of see across different countries, different genres of music, etc. In terms of India, I think that India is definitely being seen as a significant player in the live music industry. So, you know, the last few years, you've seen a lot of big international artists in India put together shows over here. The production quality that we have in India now, you know, we can truly say is world-class. 
So I think that that's a significant step that we've made in the right direction. At the same time, there is still a long way to go, a lot of room for growth. You know, when you compare even just the number of music festivals in India, say with Netherlands, for example, in Europe, the numbers will jump out at you and you will see um, that even though it's been an exciting time and we've already seen quite a bit of growth, we're still at a pretty early stage of the cycle. Could you tell us a little bit about how big the market is for music festivals industry in India? Like even a ballpark figure would help. So to truly understand the size, one would actually have to, you know, add all of that up and not just the bigger festivals or the larger events. But I mean, I would say that is comfortably more than a thousand crores for sure. Let's talk about the costs that are uh, taken care of by any of uh, by the entire industry. Are there any fixed costs? I think that um, the way that fixed and variable costs work in this industry is not conventional, let's say, right? Like it's not similar to manufacturing, for example. But when you do an event, the thing is, or a festival, the thing is that you're committing to a lot of the costs very early on. So in that sense, they are fixed or semi-fixed because once you lock in your artists, you know, your venue, for example, your stage design or your production qualities, you know, all those costs are pretty much committed. So they're not going to vary depending on, for example, how many sponsors you get or how many people finally attend the festival. So in that sense, I would say that a vast majority of the costs are actually fixed or semi-fixed. We look at the entire PNL of a festival or an event holistically. Maybe for an established music festival, around 50 to 60% of the revenue, but a good 30% is still or should still be sponsorship. So the various brand partnerships that you have. So in relation to the fixed costs, those are the more dependable revenues you know, that you yeah. can bank on. Because uh, ticketing is something that obviously is variable and, you know, can fluctuate quite a bit. And also in India, generally a large percentage of the tickets sell closer to the event. So you will not even have visibility on that until probably almost you're at the event itself. Could you tell us what is the sweet spot for ticket pricing? Honestly, that's a hard question to answer because it depends on the location, the timing, the yeah. genre, yeah. the artists, right? The yeah. lineup because... You know, there are there are music festivals that happen with more, you know, well-curated domestic lineups. There are festivals with massive international headliners. I think for a multi-stage festival with, you know, several artists and experiences, we try and yeah. keep it, say, between two and 3,000 rupees per day at most. And okay. definitely not, not cross that. And again, this is for the GA tickets. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, are, you have different categories like VIP and VVIP, and that's where you try and extract some cream. You mentioned artists a few times and um, it's, it's, you know, it's very intriguing. But when you guys are setting up an event and you go, you guys know, okay, this, this is what we are hoping the lineup to be. What are the, you know, challenges, costs that you guys are generally keeping in mind when you're, you know, putting together an event in terms of artists particularly? I mean, you, we obviously approach each festival or each event with a budget in mind, but at the same time, you know, we would have a wish list of artists that we want to book yeah. for the festival. Yeah. For us, Sunburn is primarily electronic dance music. We start the booking process pretty early because there's always bound to be some disappointments as well of, you know, offers not going through or artists not being available. And yeah, usually it takes about four, five or maybe six months to book the lineup wow. of the festival. For us, big international headliners can obviously charge, say, anywhere between 150 to $100,000 to 
as much as half a million or even more. Could you tell us a little bit about the permissions and uh, legalities around setting up an event? How many permissions do you require? And how much time does it take for you to get those clearances one after the other? Yes, uh, there are there are a number of permissions required because, uh, you know, most of these events are are happening in like outdoor venues where you're basically, you know, building from the ground up every single time that you do an event. So those venues are not coming with, say, for example, existing licenses or permissions in place. And therefore, as an event organizer, you have to apply for the the set of licenses every single time. The number of licenses are probably in excess of 10. But yeah, there are there are obviously, you know, certain key ones which you need for every single event, like the police, the traffic police, the excise, fire and safety, health, and so on and so forth. For example, the excise license would depend on how many bars you have at the event. The police okay. permission cost would depend on actually the strength of the police bandobas at the event, which in turn depends upon the crowd that you're expecting and the timings of the event. But it's always a calculation and typically depends on the scale of the event. If your one-day festival costs, I don't know, X amount, is it three times, four times, five times? How much difference are we talking about in a three-day festival? Ideally, it should not be three X because some of the there should be some economies of scale and some of the costs should be amortized over over three days. Uh, so it should be probably somewhere like two point five X. But for us, that's I mean that's not the way that we look at arena versus festival because arena is a single stage event with in a much smaller venue compared to the festival. So the festival would be way more than three x of the cost of an arena. What is the total number of people who are working when it comes to the Sunburn Festival versus Sunburn Arena? So I'll answer that for the festival. We have a team of around 25 to 30 permanent team members who work with Sunburn and with us around the year. And during the festival, during the season time, I think we we take on board maybe another 40 to 50 freelancers at various points who are working you know, specifically on the project. On ground, if you actually, as you said, add up, all the people who are working on the production, the security, the stage, the the bartenders, the food zones, the sponsor stalls. If you were to literally add up everything, it would easily be in excess of a few thousand people. Are Indian music festivals making any money at this point of time? <laughs> I think um, a lot of them are not, for sure. I wouldn't want to speak for the entire industry. But yes, I think that financially making ends meet still remains to be a challenge. But at the same time, we definitely see a lot of reason for hope and optimism because things are moving in the right direction. When you compare the size of the Indian live music and festival industry mm-hmm. to other countries, you can, mm-hmm. you know, the numbers will just jump out at you and show you how much room there actually is for growth. Whatever number of years do you think? In an ideal world, world it should be three to four years. Is there an event in India which is which has broken even or even making money? On a consistent basis, I'm not too sure. When I speak for ourselves, obviously there have definitely been events where we have made money. Otherwise, I don't think we would be still persisting with this. But any business is obviously about predictability and consistency. So, you know, until that comes in, that would be the true test when when you can you know, do event after event at a positive margin, even if it's a 10, 15, 20% margin or whatever. 
And yeah. that that is yet to happen, according to me. Honestly, it sounds like you need an army to get a music festival done. An army working for nearly six to twelve months. That is a lot of work. While Sunburn and Sunburn Arena are definitely amongst the most popular events in the country, there are a lot of other music festivals with special focus on different kinds of music that happen across the year as well, and not just necessarily towards the winter months. Cultural outreach has been a strategic focus for us rather than a corporate social responsibility activity. But the the selection of the uh, the projects that we do is based in um, in strategic need of the organization. So the art form, the target audience, the geography, um, the look and feel, the uh, community development is all looked at from the filter of uh, benefit to the brand. So we started with theatre. Uh, we um, then, uh, after a few years, started the Mind the Blues Festival, which is coming up in its twelfth um, edition soon in February. Uh, we started the Mind the Sarat Kadal Lucknow Festival, which again has around the same tenure. And over the period of the last few years, we've added a couple of other properties. Uh, we have revived Mahindra Independence Rock, which used to be a huge festival in Mumbai back in the day. All the programs that we do that I mentioned, uh, six festivals right now, they are our own festivals. Mahindra Kabira uh, Festival is a free festival. It's not as generous. We probably get 15% of our costs. Unless there are other sponsors who come in and give money towards creating these platforms yes. that are external to the company. And we are always open to that. So yeah. this is not a core business. This is, as I said, a brand development instrument. That was Jay Shah, Vice President of Cultural Outreach, which owns and operates events such as Mahindra Blues and Mahindra Percussion Festival. Mahindra Blues is one such event, which focuses on blues music. Our next guest is the man behind setting up Mahindra Blues, amongst many others. In his nearly three decades of experience in live events, he has seen it all. Welcome to the Morning Brief, Jaira. Thanks, thanks, Abhiri. Thanks yeah. for having me on the podcast. Why don't we start at the beginning? How has the industry been over the last 10 years or so since its inception? I think 10 years is, is I, I think, a very short time. But I just rewind it a little bit to say that I think the, the event management industry itself probably started in early 90s, you know. I would say around 1990s when it started. So it, it always existed. You had these sporadic events which used to happen. There used to be a fantastic festival called the Jazz Yatra, which took place in Rangbhavan. I'm talking about almost 30 years plus. So it's not that, uh, you know, the concerts have were not happening at that time. I don't know how many people know that even Sting and police performed at Rangbhavan. So those were those uh, concerts that happened. I'm talking about way, way back. So at that time, I think that there was the concert space or the live music entertainment happening, but it was more sporadic. But I think 2000 and uh, I would say 2, 2003 is when it really took off. There were certain brands like Smonoff that was coming in and they were looking at creating lifestyle experiences for uh, audiences. And that's where really kind of kick started a lot of the EDM movement, you know, where EDM started and we took that really kind of moved into the, the regular space as well. Could you please tell us about the basics of the business of music festivals? So I would say there are two kinds of things. One is a festival that we create for the brand. 
and uh, it's led by the brand and then there are ips that got created which were created by you know experiential companies and then you know they owned it and they kind of year on year tried to sell it to various brands and in terms of sponsorships and stuff like that so there are two very clear distinct ways of how that moved how does that work creating an event versus creating a property like we created something for Johnny Walker called the Johnny Walker One Tree Music Festival, which was probably one of the first multi-genre international music festivals to take place in India. And uh, that was created with a very specific purpose for Johnny Walker as a brand. And we ran it for almost five or six years. On the other hand, for example, you had something like a Weekender, which uh, uh, was an IP that was owned by OML. And uh, they then invested money into it and went to sponsors and started. So the distinct feature of both these things is that one from our lens, you know, from the lens of hyperlink, we chose to go down the route of creating IPs for brands. And we necessarily did not want to own those IPs because our model was different. Wherein we said that let us create this IP for the brand. So it's a more long run and we're not running for sponsors year on year because at the end of the day, in an Indian scenario, IPs at that time was pretty nascent. I still feel that yeah. there are a few IPs where you call it, you know, like for example, Sunburn or, you know, uh, NH7. All of these IPs, although they are fantastic IPs, but they've taken their time to build from a profitability point of view. But we wanted to be very clear that we had a responsibility towards our shareholders and we didn't want to get into any kind of a journey where we were not sure of what those revenues were or what those, I would say, IPs will actually deliver. So we took the route of creating IPs for brands where we have a creative fee, where we also have the whole execution rights and perpetuity, and we build those brands. So the other big thing that we built out and we've been doing it successfully is the Mahindra Blues Festival. There is the Mahindra Independence Rock. There is the Mahindra Percussion Festival. So what I mean to say is that it's a model that works for us where we create this idea, we create the IP, we execute it, but we do it for the brand. And the brand has complete ownership of it. Talking about the music festivals, where does India stand when it comes to the global markets? Like, is India considered to be an exciting country to perform at? Or is it something that, you know, you throw in when you're doing an Asia tour for the global artists? How is India perceived in the global scenario when it comes to music festivals? I think, see, India always had a very unique position or I would say a particular charm for any artist, big or small, right? They always uh, are enamored or, or kind of intrigued by what is the market for them in this country. I think in the last decade and even so now, I think we've pretty much established ourselves as someone who can, you know, kind of provide a great setting, quality production. I would say a, a base is already created. So the international artists from the mid segment to the large segment are comfortable coming into India because their prima facie concern always is to say that how good is the production or how good is that execution for our uh, consumers, you know, and for what we need from a technical point of view, from a production point of view. So that is always the concern that they have. When you say a big enough guy for them to, you know, make that decision, is India worth it or not? Give us an example, because I don't think our listeners would know. When you say big, are you talking about like Steve Aoki kind of a big, or are you talking about Coldplay kind of a big? 
Absolutely. So those are those, uh, you know, the mega acts as we call it, whether it is, uh, you know, Coldplay or Ed Sheeran that's happening now or uh, Sting that's happening at Lola and all of these. These are mega, mega acts which normally would look at the money on the table because purely from a point of view that these are countries kind of moving. There's like 100, 150, 200 people crew with a couple of airplanes of cargo load coming in. So all of this is 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 going to cost a lot of money. It's a business. So we are in the same business. So I'm not doing a, a mega concert just because I love that artist. Unless it makes monetary sense for me and I'm 100% certain that I'm going to make money out of this because that's my responsibility to my shareholders. I'm not going to go and do it. But prima facie, when you look at uh, large format concerts, uh, I always say that there is a lot of dash, but seldom I've seen that there is really no cash being made. I, I'll give full marks to Bookmashaw and Lollapalooza because I think it's put India on a particular map, right? It's put it on a map to say that, hey, here is country that can host the large acts. So I think that's a fantastic piece of initiative that they have put onto the table to show that large format shows and large acts can actually come down without being worried about production. That, that I think, is a, is a fantastic initiative. It's industry-facing. It's helping the industry move forward. But at what yeah. cost, I don't know. You know, that that's something that they will have to answer. Complimentary tickets are a big part of this industry. Is that changing? So, basically, your ticket-buying okay. culture has increased. So, people are now used yeah. to buying tickets uh, for experiences. It's no more, you know, can I get a free pass? That's kind of dying down in a big way. And I think the Indian audiences today have realized that because if you go to a concert abroad, you know, you're spending $100, $200 at a bare minimum price to, to do that. So a basic cost, you know, like a 4000 or a 5000 or 6000 is is a very standard and a very acceptable cost for audiences to engage and if they want to buy that entertainment because that's what it's going to cost you. Now that you have mentioned that the sweet spot for ticketing prices is between 3000 to 7000 let's say, or even 10000 could you tell us a little bit about the breakup of that cost? More often than not, we don't know what we are paying for. So one is that uh, in the Indian market, I just want to put on the table that uh, your ticket sales is not just going to cover your entire PNL or your entire project cost. See, there's a project cost. I'm just saying, for example, if I started the ET festival tomorrow, and if the total cost of the ET festival is 100 rupees, ticketing, and if my if my curation is really good, it's international acts, people you know aspiring to see those kind of acts, I would say that the tickets will cover probably 60 to 70% of that 100 rupees. To balance 30 rupees, I still need a sponsor. If there is a misconception, I'd like to clear it to say that ticket sales cover the cost of the entire project and also give you a revenue, not at all. The percentages have increased. In some, it could be 80%, some it could be even as high as 90%. But the reality of the matter is that ticket sales alone will never cover the cost of the entire festival or the project. It's always going to be a very strong mix of ticket sales and sponsors. Another question that comes to my mind, Jairam, is obviously I'm aware that every artist is going to cost you different. Like, let's be honest, like a Beyonce's will have a different number as compared to a Coldplay or, you know, if you're comparing it with any indie band. But what percentage of, like you said, if you're going to have a 10 crore festival, out of that, what percentage would you say is just purely artist costs? If I were to go with a thumb rule, it will almost be anything uh, 50% and more. In a larger concert, it might just become a little bit lopsided. See, I, okay, so I'll answer this in a different way, Shabadi. So, important is to for any concert promoter to do a PNL at the end of the day to say that what is my ticket sales potential. Let's say Beyonce, for example. If you say Beyonce, I, have, I need to do a, a very clear calculation on 
what is the revenue from ticket sales I can get for Beyonce? And what can I project as sponsorship revenue? So I'm just saying if my ticket sales and sponsorship revenue together gives me a crore of rupees for her, then I should not be paying her more than $50,000. But in reality, what ends up happening, unfortunately, and that is probably due to lack of domain expertise and people's eagerness to land a big artist and do an artist, you end up paying five crores to her when your potential is only one crore. And then you're staring at a you know a four crore hole, which is never going to fill up. So these are the realities, which is why I say in the entertainment business, there is a lot of dash, but there's no cash. Sounds like India is on the right path to attract the big artists. But one of the key requirements for the music festivals industry to bring in bigger names and higher ticket prices is the need for transparency in how the businesses are run. And transparency is required across all levels in the value chain starting all the way from the ticketing platforms, which is the first point of contact for any consumer wanting to attend a concert. In case of any mishappenings in terms of rescheduling, cancellations and refunds, it's almost always the ticketing platform where consumers tend to look for answers first. While live entertainment covers not just music festivals, but sports, theatre, comedy shows and many other forms of entertainment, The business of music festivals is definitely a big category for most ticketing platforms in this country right now. Let's welcome Dhruva Patodia, founder, Sort My Scene, and ask him some of our questions regarding the ticketing systems for music events directly. Music festivals did well this year in India. So has there been an uptick, like a sharp uptick in 2023 calendar year or even financial year 2024 so far? There were a lot of festivals that did decent. They broke even. They probably made money. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can't speak about which one did what. But I can obviously say that there were way more which actually made losses. Over time, it just happens that the attendee thinks, do I pay 5,000 bucks for an artist who is 10% better than the artist I attended last week where I paid 3,000 rupees? For Sort My Scene, we are already on a 10x growth year on year. The bigger ticketing platforms, they give a minimum guarantee or they give cash advancing or there are a lot of strategies wherein they how they get big concerts directly to be ticketed by them. And some of the biggest concerts in India, whichever you can think of, probably the biggest five you can think of are actually produced by Book My Show itself. How many tickets can your system handle? Maximum number of tickets per day or whatever metric that you guys use. For example, I'll give you a number like yesterday. We did a plea market in Jabalpur, which was catering 15,000 attendees. So 15,000 tickets were being bought simultaneously for the event that was happening. And But when it comes to a system operating in a day, we can take around, you can say, 10 lakh tickets easily. Could you tell us a little bit what are the categories that you guys are catering to and which are your highest revenue generators? Well, obviously, revenue is a volumes game. So even if there were 15,000 people at the flea market yesterday, the ticket price was only 200-300 rupees. When you look at the economics of the 15,300 rupees, 45 lakh out there, great. You get your margins out there, 5-6-7% and you're good on that. But the biggest revenue generators are usually the music festivals or the music concerts where the 
price per ticket is usually three, four, five thousand. But at the same time, you're expecting again four, five thousand people as well. Then you touch one CR, one point five CR, two CR in sales. But for any of these music concerts or music uh, gigs, the highest revenue generators within them is also table sales. So wherein each table is sold for a lakh, one point five lakh, two lakh, three lakh VIP tables, five lakh. You have tables besides the console at seven, eight lakh. So again, those are the numbers where ticketing hasn't yet penetrated, and we are yet figuring how can we penetrate that because that is where the actual revenues of biggest chunk is. Let's say a ticket is being sold for thousand rupees on your platform. What percentage? Is sort my scene making out of that thousand rupees? It's a buy commission model by most ticketing platforms. Okay. Uh, one is an uh, organizer side. We take commission basically from them for you know tech support or whatever. Like a X percentage we take there. And from the customer side, you might have seen there's something known as internet handling fees or convenience fees or something like that. So there are two sides from which any ticketing platform earns a commission. Now, when it comes to the organizer okay. side of things, our range varies anywhere between two to ten percent. Again, it depends on uh, whether we are doing the deal exclusively, where we are the only ticketing platform. Uh, B, it uh, also depends on the fact that which city is it in. C, it depends on what is the ticketing volume we're looking at. Uh, if it's higher volumes, obviously, then we discount it and we give it at lower commission rates to the organizer. And when it comes to the customer side of internet handling fees, ours is usually three to six percent out there, and that again also varies depending on what is the traffic we're witnessing. If the servers are overloaded, is when we try to keep the convenience fees a little higher so that we can make things negate the costs that we are basically going through. It's like basically a surcharge that you face on Uber. Because Uber drivers are not available, you pay a slight premium until it goes down, right? So that is the same logic that we follow in our algorithm. The six to seven percent that you mentioned is specifically for sort my scene, or is that an industry metric for any ticketing platform? That's only for us. The others will be a lot higher. Some of them charge around ten to twelve percent from the organizer side. And you can say yeah. uh, eight to eight to twelve percent, or no, not twelve, or like you can say eight to ten percent on the customer side as well. So ten to twelve yeah. plus eight to ten brings it up to, to around twenty on average. What happens when an event is cancelled? So uh, when an event is cancelled, so at least with us, we do not release. The payments of the event until four to five working days of the event. So unless the cash advance or a minimum guarantee deal involved, usually ticketing platforms will release it after the event just to secure themselves from because you don't know every organizer personally. So you don't know yeah. probably the event is only fake. The event only doesn't exist. Ours is the fastest okay. in terms of payout cycle after the event. The industry okay. standard, if I'm not wrong, is around seven to ten working days after the event. Ours is three to four working days after the event we release the payment. So we are like super fast when it comes to releasing payments. Music festivals in India have come a long way. Sure, we are perhaps still relatively small when compared to the global market, which is pegged to grow 23% and reach $8.5 billion in five years. But India is definitely trying and honestly on its way to become a sought-after destination for all musicians. 
while at the moment most indian events are still not making money on a year on year basis the expectations are the way the industry is moving that the larger music festivals should be able to break even and in an ideal world should not take more than 3 years to achieve that the problem currently in india is the pricing and the footfalls we still need larger numbers we still need more people to go to these festivals only then can the ticket prices be justified when you add up all the costs inclusive of venue artist production permissions and finally fnb ticket prices should cover the majority of the costs of the festival ideally 70% with the remaining being covered by sponsors currently in india the reliance on sponsors is still too high The Coachella Valley Music and Arts Festival started in 1999 almost 25 years ago held in Empire Polo Club Indio California in FI23 generated revenues worth 1.5 billion dollars as per industry estimates and had nearly 500,000 footfalls over two weekends with daily average footfall being twice that of 2022 The ticket prices are generally priced at $500 or above or 41,500 rupees plus convenience fees for the event what seems to be working for most of these international brands is that they seem to have one flagship festival which draws in over 100000 people over a course of 3 to 4 days and multiple stages but in this case what the organizers are selling is the experience and not the lineup something a few brands in india like sunburn and magnetic fields are capitalizing on but it's still not a widespread simple solution yet india with permission policies policing pricing and not to mention weather brings in all new set of challenges for organizers so while hitting the note of profitability may not be immediate in this new year it's in tune to get there with that it's a wrap on the final episode of this year from the team at the morning brief From everyone who worked on this episode, your host Shobhari Das, producer Vinay Joshi, sound engineer Rajesh Nayar, have a wonderful year ahead. Tune in next Thursday as we take a quick breather to get more news and insights on the morning brief. See you in 2024.